You are listening to the Forge Leadership Podcast. Forge Leadership Network mentors, connects, and equips young conservatives to lead in politics, culture, and business. For more information or to get involved with Forge, please visit forgeleadership.org. I started with the theme of Master and Commander and in particular the old sailing ship because I want to focus a little bit with you in the few moments that I have with you on a couple concepts and a couple ideas that have come from great leaders. And so my role and goal here today is to try to share with you lessons learned and some ideas that maybe you say, hey, if I incorporate one or two of these concepts or ideas, I too could be the type of leader that they're talking about. You may not ever get to command or a ship, but you're going to lead something. You're going to lead something. And all the things that have been built into you this week and into you prior to this time in your life are all helping, shaping, and forming you for that opportunity, for that moment to lead. Some of those opportunities may be given to you, and you're preparing for that, and you choose it, and you go for it, and others will just come upon you unexpectedly in unexpected ways. And will we be ready for those moments when we can step in and say, I'm ready to lead? C.S. Lewis talked about the story of the ships, hence the analogy, right? Three things about ships. One is it's important for ships to sail information and not collide. Think about this in the context of you leading a group. You're leading an organization. You're leading your family, your group of friends, your class, your some other aspect. The important thing is that when you are part of a larger group, a larger team, and you've learned that this week, is that if you're a ship that's sailing, you need to sail in formation. Otherwise, what happens? Otherwise, what happens? They collide. They crash. They don't do what they're supposed to do. And so they have to have that pattern and that tracking. And I'm... One of the things I love is sailing. I grew up in saltwater. I grew up in Long Island Sound. I moved to Florida. And then I moved to Ohio. No salt water. Biggest body of water, Buck Creek Reservoir. I just didn't do it for me. But I, have, I grew up sailing and, and love sailing, etc. And the idea of tacking back and forth and being in formation and using, plotting the right course. All very important that you're not only just sailing alone, but especially when you're sailing with others. Just like the... Uh, the prior speaker talking about the pilgrims coming over, right? And learning the lessons from that. And how the three ships had to come and sail and stay in contact, connection with each other. All necessary to support each other. You're needing to do that too within your organization. So we have this external importance for what you're doing. It's important for ships to be seaworthy, so there's something internal. That big old sailing ship's floating and sailing down the sea, but if it's rotting on the inside, if nobody's taking care to maintain the integrity and the condition of the ship, if they ignore the things that they're supposed to do and the lines start rotting and the wood starts uh, becoming soft and rotting and so all of a sudden starts leaking, nobody's taking care of those things, the ship will not also then not fulfill its purpose. And so your idea of that fact that is, I'm having you think of the concept that everybody can look on the outside of that great ship and that sailing ship and say, oh, that's great, it looks like a great sailing ship, but inside it may be being eaten away just by the insects, by something small, just by a small leak, but if not tended to and not taken care of, it can cause that ship to fail. 
That's true in our own lives as well. Important for ships to have a purpose or a goal. Hey, that's great. Ships go out, they sail around, they uh, take a cruise, hopefully not a three-hour cruise that ends badly, but that they have a goal, that they have something eternal in mind. And we do as well. We do that for our life here on Earth, for the journey, for the short voyage we're doing together. And then we do that in light of eternity. So think of the things that you are doing, think of the things you are learning, and talk about how you are putting that into perspective in light of these three things, the external, the internal, and the eternal aspects of what you're doing. Think about the next time you listen to the theme of the Master and Commander, or some other sailors. So what do you do? What we're doing today, what we're doing hopefully in your life and you ought to continuously do, is a compass check. Before the modern days of GPS, they would have this old compass and usually it would be a big capstan and they have to judge their whole course by the true north. Fix a standard, find that point, and then by that determine the course of their life. And they had to do that compass check. Why? Because darkness came. Storms came. All of a sudden they couldn't see the stars or they couldn't see the sun or the winds came and would blow, blow them off course. And the idea is how do I stay true? How do I stay on course with my life? If in some way the storms come or the pressures come or I can't see my way forward, it's by doing a compass check. But it only works if you check and correct to what is true. The Bible talks about that too, right? What good is a man who looks in the mirror and then walks away and doesn't do anything differently about that? In the same way, what if you look at the compass and say, oh, north is this way, this is the way I was headed, but now I find that I've drifted and I'm moving this way a little bit, but I don't correct my course. I don't choose to take the necessary actions that bring me back because the breeze is easier this way. I'm floating fine this way. I don't see any trouble this way. I was supposed to be going this way, but I've now taken the easier course. In sailing, we have this thing called tacking where you have to go back and forth. And it's a lot of hard work rather than reaching or what's called running downwind when the sail, the wind is behind you and the sails are out and you're just floating along. It takes more work, but that's the way to get back onto the true course. So check your compass. Do it initially. Do it often. Have others confirm or verify that in your life. And then adjust accordingly. So what have others said in this concept of Integrity. Clearly one of the best compasses that we have is the word of God. And it says, one who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. And if you think about the compass check, 360 degrees on that compass, a one degree variation is only a slight deviation from what is the true standard where you ought to be headed. But one deviation taken farther and longer and differently away all of a sudden leads you to at the end you've diverged greatly from where you had intended to go you guys are at a critical point in your life I can't tell you how excited we are to see that you are here and then to think about where you will be you've got great opportunity to set a course and then to say on this course that I'm choosing when it starts to deviate when you start to move a little bit from what you know is right. When you be tempted and distract and say, this might, I can fudge a little bit on the honesty here. 
I could compromise on the integrity a little bit, and then you don't correct and adjust that course, or you don't have others come in and check, and you don't modify to the true standard, the deviation can be damaging, get lost at sea. And we see that happen, tragically. We see that happening. We see it happening in political leaders, see it happening in families, friends, religious leaders, those that you have high expectations of, it happens. But here's the beautiful thing. You get the correct course. God gives a grace and allows us an opportunity to say, there may be consequences to those choices, and it may take harder work, and it may be that we have damages that incur as a result of the deviation of course. But there is a lot of correction. You and I are alive. We're sitting here. We have an opportunity. Because you may be saying, hey, John, you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know the things that I'm, right now, I'm the only one who knows. And that's true. But at the same time, God is saying to you, hey, I've got an opportunity to use your life and use you in a way if you'll allow me to be the master and commander. And I can set a better course for you in that way. Preparing your minds for action, be sober-minded. A couple compass checks for us. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Christ. And listen to this guidance for us. As obedient children, not be confirmed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it's written, you be holy, for I am holy. So there's an outward, external, call to adjust our compass. To be holy in our conduct. So we lead to make a difference by acting with its integrity. Some other leaders here. Bottom line principle of business and life is to do what is right even when no one else is looking. A leadership corollary for those of you, for those of us who are saying we're put in a position of whatever that group is. It may be large, small. It may be just ourselves. Did you hear that? It may be just ourselves, that we're leading ourselves in this way. Is to create an environment through your words and actions where others are motivated to do right as well. Leading by example. Living a life that is worthy of the calling. Again, another reminder out of Scripture. Continue to have faith. Do what you know is right. Some people have rejected this and their faith has been shipwrecked. Whoever is careless with the truth in small matters cannot be trusted with important matters. Pretty smart guy said that one time. But think about that, the small matters, the one degree deviation off the compass. And you might be tasked with the saying, I've got this piece of research that has, I want to be on the floor arguing. I want to be presenting the bill. And meanwhile, you're just saying, I'm just making appointments for people. I'm just covering the calendar. I'm showing up at this event to, uh, so that my representative is represented by me. What's the attitude you bring towards that? Doing things, the small things. I hope is one of the things that you do that you can then know you'll be trusted with important matters as well. Honesty. Telling the truth and leaving the right impression. It's not just the words, but the actions, right? Most managers describe themselves as honest, yet research shows most employees believe that management is not or does not communicate honestly. It's a real challenge to understand that there's a way in which we get not only have our words Received, but then also our actions as well. Quote another famous captain. Captain Jack Sparrow, 
says in the movements of the pirates of the Caribbean, I'm dishonest. And a dishonest being, you can always trust to be dishonest, honestly. It's the honest ones you want to watch out for. For you never can predict they're going to do something incredibly stupid. Now, does that mean being honest is being stupid? No, it just means, look who's judging that, the dishonest person. Can't relate to the fact that somebody's going to take a stand for honesty and for courage and for valor in that, in that instance. Frankly, if the pirates call me bad, I'm in pretty good company. You are too. Integrity comes from the same Latin root as the words integrated, integer. No gap between intent and behavior. Walking the talk. Whenever she or he is whole, seamless, the same, inside and out. Congruence. People who are congruent walk in harmony with deepest values and beliefs. They walk their talk. Certainly a guy who has studied that a lot, Stephen Covey. Gandhi gave a speech in the British Parliament, two hours, without notes. They wrote of him afterwards. What he thinks, feels, says, does are all the same. Doesn't need notes. You and I, we think one thing, we feel another, we say a third, do a fourth. So sometimes we need notes and files to keep track. Gandhi said of himself, my life is an indivisible whole and all my activities run into one another. My life is my message. What are you preaching? What am I preaching or teaching with my life? Good to great leaders are paradoxical blend of personal humility and professional will. Compared to high profile leaders with big personalities who <coughs> make headlines and become celebrities. And this was written before the current election campaign. Personal humility, professional will. Humble person, more concerned about what is right than being right. About acting on good ideas and having the ideas. About building team rather than exalting self. And recognizing contributors or cont contributions than being recognized for it. Harvard did a study, the Business Review did a study of 1,200 executives a couple years ago. And they said, all right, we're going to search for what is the one quality that would ensure success or describe the most successful leaders. And they did a 360 of those 1,200 leaders. And they said, and so it was corporate, business, finance, all the rest. And they said, what characterizes a successful leader? Number one quality. If you had this quality, you were six times more likely to be successful than if not. Humility. Here's the sad thing. Only 30% of those surveyed were believed to have had it. Six times more likely. Don't exalt yourself. Humble yourself. Be that humble servant leader. It's a great pathway, a great course to success. Integrity includes the courage to do the right thing. Winston Churchill, he would know. First of human qualities, because of quality which guarantees all the others. And in this time, and in the immediate future that you're stepping into, and in your current state right now, we all need, all of us, to have courage. So assess, do I generally try to be honest in all my interactions with others? Do I typically walk my talk? Is there that integration between what I say and what I do? Am I clear on my values? Do I feel comfortable standing up for them? You've been being trained in that this week, about how do you stand up for what you believe or what you represent. Here's the other part. Are you open to the possibility of learning new truths that may cause you to rethink or redefine your values? Well, wait a minute. How do I know what I believe is right or true, right? Well, part of it is, is to have that examination so that you do, can speak in confidence with that. Am I able to consistently make and keep commitments to myself? 
talking about leading, we think, well, I don't, I'm not an officer, an organizer, administrator of some large group. Maybe not. You're leading yourself. Are you leading yourself well? Are you following in the right steps of what you need to be doing? So act, make and keep commitments to yourself. Start in that small way. What are you gonna to commit to do, especially coming out of this great time together and say, hey, there are things I've learned, or there are things I need to work on. Make and keep a commitment to yourself in that area. There's so much that you have to absorb and it's easy to go away and think, wow, there's so much to do. What am I gonna do? Grab one, two or three items and say, or one from each day or one from each session and say, this, this is something I'm gonna to commit to doing and then do it. Stand for something. Stand for something. What does it say? People who don't stand for something will fall for anything. Stand for something. Know what you believe and why you believe it, and then be able to articulate it. And then be open. That's part of the humility. When you're standing for something, but you become so rigid in what you're saying or doing that you don't have the capacity for adjusting. Compromise is not that there were dirty words, it's the word in which, as you have learned, to be able to facilitate an advancement of common good. Higher ground, more about it. The greater your integrity, the more honest, congruent, humble, and courageous you are, the more credibility you'll have, and the more trust you will inspire. So you don't only do it just because it's the right thing to do, but you do it because it's an effective thing to do as well as observed by Covey. So you all have a pencil, and I'll end with this. Just giving you a visual aid, something to take away from this. Parable of the pencil. Certain things you can learn about this. There are many things you can learn. Hopefully you'll write down your own. You'll send me an email saying this is also what I've learned or I'm doing with this. But just a couple things to remain. Everybody grab your pencil. Hold it up. Wave it. Thank you very much. You'll be able to do many great things, but only if you allow yourself to be held in somebody else's hand. The pencil lying on the desk does nothing. It's got to be used by, by somebody else. It doesn't write by itself. If you're the pencil, who's writing your story? You'll experience a painful sharpening from time to time. But you'll need it to become better. Right now you can't write very well with this, but it needs to be sharpened. And in the sharpening, things come off and it starts changing for you. And it's painful cutting. The pencil's not really enjoying this right now. If you listen, you can hear that. <laughs> but it's making it better. It's getting rid of the stuff that keeps it in from the way. And so you may have to be doing that in your life. Sorry, Ian. <laughs> that is saying, how do I, what do I need to get rid of in order to be sharper and better in this and be able to be used? Try to correct. The other end, correct, try to correct the mistakes you will make. And you know this when you rub away with an eraser, yeah, you get rid of the obvious, but oftentimes there's still the imprint or the smudge or the, you rip the paper or whatever else. So you may not be able to totally undo the effects, but there are opportunities where God gives us a grace to be able to say, I can do this again. The part, part of you will always be what's inside. There's what on the outside, but that's not what the pencil is used for. It's for what's on the inside that matters the lead. Every surface you are used, you will leave your mark. No matter what the condition, though, you must write, and write well. I don't know if you recall this, in NASA, they were trying to come up with all these space-age pens, and they couldn't get the flow because of, without the gravity, the pen wouldn't flow the ink, and they were having all kinds of trouble, and one engineer suggested, you know what? And again, just use a pencil. This old, classic, outdated, traditional mode that you could write upside down and the gravity didn't have the impact of it. You may think, I'm not ready to be used. Allow yourself to be in somebody else's hands so that you can be.
stand the journey, and I've done this with my family, etc. at the end, where we stand on the shores, and you understand, because I grew up on Long Island Sound in New York, sailing boats, and we'd have people come and race or whatever else, and then we'd go away, and we'd stand on the shore, and so two things to remember. Ships in a harbor are safe, but that's not what ships are built for. Thank you for listening to the Forge Leadership Podcast. If you like the show, please drop a review and be sure to subscribe for all our latest episodes. You can follow Forge Leadership Network at Forge Leadership on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For more information about Forge programming, please visit forgeleadership.org.